So you think you cute, huh? Try and do an episode without me. Hit the road, Jack. And don't you come back no more, no more, no more, no more. Hit the road, Jack. And yes, I do. Whatever. Have fun. Hey, come on. Let's all brag different with Nia J. And money making sound. You got something on your mind, let's get it off. You know they're going to get you together. So come on. Let's get it. Got something on your mind, I ain't sound here to listen If you're employee or CEO, don't matter your position Eyes wide, ears open, they always pay attention Why settle for a glow when you can shine and glisten? Brag different, brag different, be unique and brag different Shoot for the stars, pretend the sky's missing You might be right, just follow your intuition Don't ever brag regular when you can brag different So we like to kick each episode with a brag about it Our first brag about it comes from my boy Donald Let's get it Hey, what's going on, brag heads? It's your boy, Donald. Just want to give a brag about it to my wife, Sierra. Recently, she made a really big decision to get herself a car uh, that has a car note. Before we had cars, we just bought outright, but it unfortunately wasn't reliable. Uh, and she made growth in her career, school, treated herself to a car of her choice. Once a lot, I was all supportive. She got the car she wanted, the color in a year. So I just want to congratulate her on that big decision. Hey, congratulations, Sierra, man. And I'm glad you know y'all got a new car and y'all getting everything situated. Our next brag about it comes from my boy Ace. Let's get it. Yo, Bragcast was good. I want to brag about my wife also. She, about a year and a half ago, decided that she wanted to go to school to work in the hospital, which is something that she's wanted to do for a while. Um, and she did it back then and she graduated and she's been working in the hospital for about a month now. So I just want to say congratulations to her and I'm, I'm proud of her for putting in that work and then getting the thing that she always wanted. Hey, congratulations to Jojo, man. I'm glad I'm proud of both of y'all wives, man. And I'm proud of y'all because y'all stay in the bottom and y'all taking care of your households. So I find myself lately having this conversation with my boys that, you know, it's not easy being a man and there's no book on it. So I thought this would be a good episode to talk about how do we feel about being a man and what some of the roles and the responsibilities that we go through. So it was only right that I had to bring my two boys on. So introduce yourself, Donald. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Like you just said, my name is Donald. New South since we was in eighth grade, Jack Golf. Uh, so I am 28 years old. I'm married to my wife, Sierra. We have our son, Donald III, which we call Trey. So just want to say thank you for having me on. No doubt, man. And that's the dude, Trey Breezy, man. Trey Breezy. You feel me? But, you know, next I want my boy Ace to introduce himself. So let's get it. Hey, everybody. My name is Al Shamir or Ace or Al or Mook. Go by a lot of different names. But um, I've also known Sal for a little minute. I think it's like ninth or 10th grade. I am a father of three. I'm married. There goes some of the kids back there in the background. But um, <laughs> it's just a father trying to stay committed, trying to stay positive, you know. Full-time worker, full-time gym guy. So a lot of things happening. <laughs> now, nah, like these brothers said, man, they both incredible. And like they said, they both fathers. And I knew them for a great length of time. And, you know, at the end of the day, they not even my friends no more. They my brothers. So, you know, it was only right that I had to do this episode. So with that being said, Ace, what is your definition of a man? What does a man look like to you? Uh, my definition of a man um, is someone who protects, provides, shows the emotional support to their family, someone who's strong-willed, 
who's not afraid to stand their own two feet when everyone telling them to sit down. Just someone who's strong and, and has a, a big presence. So with that being said, Ace, do you feel like you fit the role as a man? Uh, Yeah, I feel like I do. I, I try to hold myself accountable every day to the certain um, checks mark, check marks that I have and just showing my boys because, you know, eventually they'll be men. So I try to show them through my actions. Okay, okay. What about you, Mr. Van Dyke? What is your definition of being a man? Pretty much he said, you know, you got to be able to provide for your family. You got to be able to protect your family. You can lead them. Uh, and there's always different levels to each of them. You know, you got to be able to know when's the right time to, to be the lead. Uh, and also when's the right time to step back because maybe somebody else in your household, immediate family might know how to handle a certain situation better. Uh, you got to be able to protect them, not just, you know, by hands or weapons, but, you know, be able to protect them mentally, uh, be able to provide for them mentally, spiritually, and also, of course, financially. That's, that's some of the things you always hear growing up. You can't be a man if you can't provide. If you ain't got the job, if you ain't got the house, or the roof, you, you ain't a man. So that's definitely some of the definitions I got when I was growing up. So with that being said, Donald, do you feel like you fit the role of being a man with your characteristics? Uh, I do think I'm a man. Um, I, I, I thought I was a man from as early as 18. And and as I got older, I, one of the main things I learned as being a man was growth. Um, so I know at 18 years old, I thought I was a man, but I wasn't. And I learned that when I got older, so even my 20s, 24, 25, at 18 years old, I wasn't able to provide financially. I wasn't able to provide mentally. Um, so the, the main thing that allows me to, to be a man today is just growth, you know, just got to be able to know what I know today can change tomorrow. And I got to put them together to make the right decisions for my family. Okay. Okay. I definitely see a lot of growth on both of your ends. And like you, like you said, though, I'm glad that you brought up that you felt like being a man at an early age. Cause man, I ain't going to lie, man. I thought I was a man at 16. Your boy worked multiple jobs, so I felt like I was providing, doing everything for myself. But then when I started dating this woman, I had to realize that it's more than being a man just doing for yourself. So It's like that because, you know, growing up, you always hear like, hey, man, you're not a man. You're not grown. And then, you know, the world teacher, you turn grown at 18 years old. So you, as you're growing up, you think like I'm 17, I'm 16. When I get 18, I'm grown. Like 18 years old, you're still in school. Like, you still got to ask to go to the restroom. You still got to, you know, get money from your parents nine times out of ten. But you just thinking, like, hey, this is the age that the world, the TVs, the actors, the entertainers are selling me. I'm growing up and start making my own life decisions. But they don't tell you what really comes with adulthood and becoming a grown man. Now, that's definitely a fact. And, you know, I feel like with society, like you said, you know, we feel like we're we're men at an early age. And. It's kind of hard to adapt because at one point you think you're a man, you think you can handle everything. Because I know a lot of times when people get 18, they want they say, the first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to move out of my parents' house. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that for myself. I'm going to give myself everything that my parents couldn't give to me. But then they fail to realize that at the end of the day, you should stay longer at your house because your parents helping you save. They helping you learn more and they showing you different aspects and life of the world. And for me, I feel like if I would have took my time a little bit longer and I would have stayed home, I would have saved myself a lot of time and a lot of heartache. So I'm, I'm laughing when you're saying that because when you get older and I moved out of my mom's house after I got married. Uh, but when you get older, you think, like like you say, I'm going to move out. 
and then you you meet this thing called bills and responsibilities, and that and that minimum wage job, unfortunately, especially when you're a kid, even if you are working at a McDonald's or Foot Locker or the mall or wherever you at, you're not getting the same hours as a 30 year old or a 40 year old because some people feel like hey they got to provide for their family, so you may be getting like 12 hours a week, 16 hours a week. So you bring me bringing home $300 and rent is $800. Like you can't afford it, but you thinking like, yo, I'm growing at 18. I'm getting out of here. And eventually it puts a lot of us in bad decisions of moving with friends instead of staying home and helping out at home, stacking your bread, learning. We just like, I got to get out because I'm 18. When you're at home and, and you working a little 15 hours, you got a little extra money. You're like, I'm good. I can do what I want to do. Then you go and you see that rent, like you said, $800, $900. You're like, hmm. <laughs> Maybe my mom was right. <laughs> nah, that's definitely a fact. So why do y'all feel like we rush out so early? Yo, it's, it's a lot of, I don't want to say blame entertainment, but it's a lot of things that entertainment pushes out there. Like, it's TV shows and people like, oh, man, you know, when I graduated high school, you know, I'm going to get this good job. I'm going to start moving out. And again, you might have roommates with your friends, but they don't really show you, like, it's harder to get that that job at a Fortune 500 nowadays as it was back when our parents were growing up. So the jobs to us when we turn 18 is fast food. Uh, it's retail, but it's like Foot Locker. It's going to be something. You may have some that may go a job right like the union, but it's, it's not likely because one thing my teacher told me was, hey, the union may have 10 applicants and you're going in at 18 years old and the rest of them are going in at maybe 30. Y'all get the same score. They're going to give it to the person that's 30. Again, dumb people feel like, hey, they need it more. So we feel we got to grow up early because that's what the world, the TVs, even some teachers are like, hey, you know, at 18, you got to make this decision on your own. Oh, reality, you still got your family there, but people try to tell you don't. That's why we grow up faster than we really should. Yeah, I also, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I also feel like um, social media and, and like media has a huge um, just influence as well, because then you start, I mean, social media, when we were, when we were like 18, is different from social media at 18 right now. Um, but you, you see like people on social media with, with Benzes and Bentleys and and all this other stuff, and they're 18, 19, so you're like, man, I, I got to get to that. You know, what am I doing? I'm, you know, like my little brother, oh, man, I'm 16. I got to do that. Like, no, take your time, slow your roll. But when, you, when you're when that age, you're also not thinking about listening to anybody older because you're already in the mindset of, I'm about to be a man. I'm going to make this decision on my own and do what I want to do. And then you throw yourself back three, four steps. You know, that, what he just said was definitely a fact because you people try to give you advice you just go in and you're like, nah, I, I, I've been waiting to get to this stage, 17, 18, wherever it was grown in your household. In some ages, depending on your nationality, you were a man at 16. So you've been like, nah, I've been waiting for this. So instead of taking advice and learning from you, like, nah, I knew once I hit this age, I make my decisions and telling myself. Nah, that's definitely a fact. Y'all both bring up some valid points there. And like A said, though, I'm kind of glad he brought that up. I feel like a lot of times as men or young men, we make that mistake of comparing our life or our lifestyle to other people. We feel like just because they at a certain age or even if they're younger than us, we doing less or we doing we doing less than what we should be doing. 
And at the end of the day, I know it's easy said than done. Move at your own pace in your own time. But when you seeing somebody else, it kind of makes you feel like, damn, if I'm doing enough, do I need to do a little bit more? What are they doing that I'm not doing? Yeah, so it's kind of the same way today uh, as it was back then that we some people still don't know. Uh, on social media, you see the Benzes, the, the big houses and stuff like that. And even I think it was recently it was like a big um, artist on an airplane. And a lot of people like, oh, man, these dudes are getting fast money on private jets. And it's, it's things you can run out like the airplane was a run out of a cutout that you only had two seats in the back. But a 15 year old and a 14 year old is just like, yo, these are my favorite artists. I want to be like them. What do I have to do? They don't know. They really paying maybe $5,000 to take some photos versus paying $200,000 for the jet. The difference. And that's how it's getting to it. So how do y'all think we could get a hold on that where we stop comparing our life to society or even our family or relatives, you know, around us? How do we give ourselves enough courage or enough courage or to understand that we're doing just enough or we may need to do a little bit more, but we don't have to kill ourselves to get to where that person at. Um, I kind of think that that will lead into um, being a man, um, kind of making it full circle with just standing on your own decision and like, no, nah, all right, that's cool. But I'm doing this over here. You know, like you got that going on. That's nice. That's dope. I like that. That's inspiring. But I know this is what I need to do, you know, and, and try not to follow to to be a leader and to groom leaders so that when they come up, they're not aspiring to be like, you know, somebody that just made something real quick or they don't like Donald said, they don't even fully understand what's really going on. They just see the end result or what they think is the end result instead of finding out what they have to do and, and moving at their own pace. You know, like Nipsey said, it's, it's, a, it's a marathon, not a race. Okay. Okay. Bringing out King Nip. I feel that. Okay. Okay. I see that. <laughs> nah, that's definitely true because, the only way to really stop that or stop the next generation from doing it is like it's, it's on people like us, the, the people that's becoming dads now. Like you got to be able to tell your kids, sons or daughters like, hey, yo, I, I see what you see on these screens. It's cool and it's fun. And I'm never going to tell you not to to reach, uh, put out goals out there to to be established or, or accomplish good things in life. But we also got to let them know like, hey, yo, a lot of the things you see aren't true. But if you want the truth of that, like you want to have a private jet, you want to have the nice cars, you want to have the nice house that may not happen soon, you got to you gotta put in the work. So you just got to let our kids know now. And again, it may be a, one conversation, it may be 10 conversations, but we, we just can't let our children fall into the same traps that a lot of us, our friends did around us to just think like, hey, they got that. I, I got to try to do something to get that soon at an early age. Now nah, that's definitely a fact. And like you said, though, at the end of the day, whether you have, whether you got to have that talk one time or 20 times, at the end of the day, you know, just keep doing what you're doing and let your kids or let them know that you're not going to always get it right then and there, but take your time and, you know, it will come to you. So with that being said, I know as a man, we struggle a lot of times, you know, expressing our feelings or sharing our feelings with each other or even to our mates. So with that being said, Donald, how do you take on that? It's hard because I'm not going to lie and be like, oh, man, I know how to communicate. Like, I'm good at this. Like, I am the, the worst. Like, Sal can tell you. I'll probably call him before really talking to a family member or a mate that I may be having the situation with. 
Like sometimes you want to, you may have an idea in your head, like, Hey, yo, I want to attack this situation like this. And it can be attacking it with kindness. You can be attacking it with anger, um, jealousy. But sometimes like for me, I want to be able to bounce it off of somebody else that's not involved with the situation. Like, Hey, yo, do you think this is the right way to approach it? And nine times out of 10, I I, I would take their advice and, and do it that way. If it is, yeah, you're doing good or not nah, change it. And then you got that, that one time out of 10 where you was like, nah, I really just wanted to tell you what I'm going to do. I ain't asking you, but I'm about to go do this. But it, it, communication is, is, for me at least, it's, it's not going to be a quick conversation. Like, let's just say, for instance, say me and my wife has a child and it may be what school he want to go to. And I may be like, hey, I don't want him to go to this school down a block. I want him to go to the one three, three blocks away because it's a little bit closer to all our parents and family versus the one down the block and be closer to us. And I may be upset about it. I, I don't want to go into it angry. Like I may say something that day and then I'm like, I apologize about it. And then I know that, hey, we can't just leave off of that conversation. It may be picked up the next day or maybe picked up a week from now. But I know I need to rediscuss it. And that's when I go talk to the other people like Sal, like other friends and family members. Like, hey, yo, what do you think I should do? And you just got to communicate multiple times on the same topic. OK, OK. What about you, Ace? Uh, for me, my communication is uh interesting because I'm not I'm not a good person as far as like communicating with others and just uh getting to people, you know. Like I think about people and I don't really get to communicate with them because um, I'm moving or I'm doing this or doing that. It's a lot happening, but as far as like my communication with like my wife and my like immediate family, I kind of prioritize that. Um, I feel like that's something that needs to be done. You know what I mean? I like if me and my wife have a, a, a disagreement, I'm like, all right, cool. Well, we're gonna get to the bottom of this. You know, we're gonna fix this. Um, because like Donald said, it's, it's better to come in something, you know, even headed than to go in something, you know, steaming and then you 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 mess up or you say something wrong. Um, or I'll, you know, we'll have a conversation and communicate about, you know, the curtains, you know, the, the curtains being wrong and she don't like the way I put up the curtains. And I'll talk to her about it, but then also, like, down the side, I'll go to somebody else and be like, you know, was I wrong for doing this? You know what I mean? Because, like, I, I know I'm not crazy, like, you know, but uh, I also, I, you know, I, I definitely try to prioritize my communication as far as with my wife or my immediate family. Um, and then, like, my friends and stuff, I don't really get out to communicating that well. You know, luckily, I have friends like Sal who would hit me and be like, yo, bro, why you not answering the phone? But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's that's how my communication is. Okay, I'm glad that y'all both brought that up. And and the next thing I want to ask y'all is because I know it's something that I've been working on. A lot of times, like you said, whether we having a bad argument or a bad conversation is what I make. Do y'all feel like it's better to address the conversation before you go to bed, or is it better for you to take a couple hours or you know go to sleep and talk about it the next day? I'm be honest, like I got married at. 28, I've been married six years. I got married around 22. When I first got married, that was one of the first things that I got as advice, like never go to bed angry. And I always thought like when I first got married, like, yo, I can't go to bed angry. Like we got to fix it. But as I got longer into my relationship, I'm like, yo, that advice not for everybody. Because you can try to not go to bed angry and make it worse. Because you're like, no, nah, we're going to talk about it. Like, nah, we got to talk about it. But again, I don't got the time to have a conversation with Sal to talk about like, yo, 
like this is what I feel. How should I say it though? Because it can be, you can be delivering the same message, but saying it different. And I might be on the phone with Sal, like, yo, like he said about them curtains. I like the blue curtains. She told me she liked the color blue too. Now she don't like blue. Like instead of me going and saying that to her, like, yo, you like blue, I can say it to Sal, like, D, it's blue, bro. You like other colors? Like, talk about it. Get a list of colors together. You know, I pick it out together. You can just replace them. But if I talk about it that same night because I don't want to go to sleep angry, it ain't going to work out. What about you, Ace? Uh, yeah, mine's similar to Don. At first, I was I was on that type of time where it's like, nah, we're going to fix this before we go to sleep. I'm not about to be angry sleeping, have nightmares, or wake up angry. Um, but then, like you also said, like Donald said, you know, you, you, you start to go to sleep angry because now you can't stop thinking about it because you just had that, you know, heated conversation or argument. So I've also decided to sometimes let it, you know, let it ride into the night. You wake up the next day with a fresh mind because you're not fresh off of the disagreement and then you could talk. But it's a weird thing about marriage, too, is that, like, you could disagree about something and then, you know, four hours later, you just say something about, like, oh, we should get some pizza today. And then that whole disagreement is gone. And then while you're eating, you know what? My bad. Yeah, I think those, you know, those curtains are right. You know, or maybe we should do it the other way. And then the whole situation is fixed. So I feel like going to sleep, you know, before an argument can be good, but after it may be a little tough because you already had that heated and that your mind is, you know, that heated conversation and your mind is rolling and flowing. Okay, okay. Now, that's definitely a fact. And that's something I'm still working on because I would be biased if I say, no, I don't go to bed mad sometimes because I try to talk about it. But like I said, you can try to talk about it, but sometimes you're not able to really get everything out or you're too angry to go to sleep. And I'm the type of person when I got a lot on my mind, I can't sleep. So I'm like, yo, I just said what I said, but it's okay. You can go to sleep, but I got to stay up all night. So sometimes I ain't going to lie, you know, that couch or that bed in the next room, it looks real nice. And the next morning I say, hey, baby, how you doing? And she probably like, don't talk to me. You ain't do this last night. But, you know, you got to take the punches with it. So I'm laughing because I'd be like, yo, D, you an a-hole because we can have an argument. He's like, yo, dang, bro, we just went and slept on the couch. I was like, boy, I got in that bed. We slept good last night. You I'm sleeping <laughs> <laughs> you understand, bro? When you get married, bro, everybody, you gonna sleep on the couch? No, I'm gonna sleep on my side of this bed. We gonna both be upset, but when we go to sleep, we gonna wake up and maybe we both calm and we can rediscuss it. But I ain't going on no couch. That's gonna make me be mad when I wake up. Let me sleep. Bring your foot over here so I can put my foot on your foot. We'd be angry on our sides, but the foot connected so we can sleep. <laughs> but uh, you know, Sal, we've been answering these questions and. As me and Ace already said, we married, and you know, Braghead's already know you engaged tonight, Jay. So you about mm-hmm. to be in these shoes soon. So how are your communication skills over there? I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to even lie to y'all. Be biased, and you know, have conversations with y'all off the mic or you know, on the mic as we doing. But my communication styles is something that honestly I'm still working on. Like I try all different approaches. I try to approach like we discussed earlier. Not to let your mate go to sleep mad. I try to approach her. A lot of times, if the female is in her feelings, I give her some time or I might surprise her with a little gift. You know, just try to, you know, change the mood. But what I'm really realizing at the end of the day is, female Miss Naya J, 
she likes time. So like I'm the type of person I wanna when I wanna answer, I wanna get my answer right then and there. She more like give me my space and time, whether it's a day, whether it's two days or three days. She want her time and then I'm able to have that conversation. And I get mad because I'm like, yo, so do the world evolve around you? Like, I got to stop and wait till you're ready to have a conversation. But, you know, like I said, when you in this thing together, sometimes you're going to have to take the, the end of the short or sometimes, you know, you got to put your foot down. But when I'm realizing timing is everything with communication, you can't always pick an argument or have a discussion if you and your feelings because... Or you're not thinking mentally, right? Or, you know, you got too much on your mind, so you might need a little step back. So it's something that, honestly, I'm still working on. So with that being said, I want to ask y'all, because it was something big that I heard a lot of people talking about. And I'm pretty sure y'all know about it, Will Smith. So the thing with Will Smith, I want to know what's your opinion on it. So like Will Smith said, her happiness is not my responsibility, she should be happy and I should be happy individually. Then we can come together and share happiness. Giving somebody a responsibility to make you happy when you can't do it for yourself is selfish. How do y'all feel about that? Um, I I don't know. I think um I think part of him part of his his whole thing is is kind of leading towards like internal happiness, which I agree with for that part. Like you shouldn't rely on anyone else to make you internally happy but I also feel as though if i'm married to my wife i have an obligation to try to make her happy you know what i mean like i i don't i don't know um yeah i i feel like making yourself happy should be number one overall in life you know that should influence everything you do if it don't make you happy you shouldn't do it i also feel like as a husband you you kind of have an obligation to to help your wife get to being happy. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. That's that's kind of where I'm at with, with as far as this situation, because there's a lot to go into. <laughs> Will Smith and Jada Pinky Smith. Okay, Donna, what about you? Nah, I kind of think the same as East, uh, because I get what Will is saying as far as, like, you shouldn't, like, you shouldn't come into a relationship unhappy and thinking a relationship is going to pick you up, but you also shouldn't come into a relationship like both of you guys are happy and think when you get in there your partner doesn't have to do anything to make it stay like that but like, i do think you don't get in a relationship if you're not together yourself mentally like, like i said earlier in the show i think as a man you, part of your job is to help your family mentally and happiness is, is a mental thing so like yes i want my wife to have her own happiness before we say i, I do's but I also know, like, when she come into the relationship, like, I know she's happy, and my job is to make sure she stays happy. Like, yeah, I can't get you happy before you get to this altar nine times out of ten because you got to be happy with yourself. But, like, I got to also make sure my wife stays happy. And is that is me, you know, letting her know that I think she's beautiful. Hey, yo, you did really good on the cooking tonight. Like, if you're not doing those things, eventually, she can, like, the happiness is going to go away. Because eventually, like, when you go and you get married and y'all become one together, y'all get your spot or whatever, even if y'all is with family, y'all upstairs now and set it down in the whole family room, like, you're replacing what other people are doing. Like, their parents, like, my my, um, my father-in-law is, like, really affectionate. He tells my, my wife he loves her all the time when they, live to, when they live together. 
and she's beautiful. So I know, like, hey, I gotta do that. Like, not say like I'm replacing him, but I gotta make sure she know that she's it. Like, like you the thing. Like you, 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 whatever you, whatever you are to me is is ten out of ten. Everybody else is can't get there. Like I gotta let her know that. Like if I'm, if she just assuming it, eventually it's gonna start to dwindle. Like, am I beautiful? Like, is my cooking good? Is my clothes nice? Like, is my hair nice? Like, so yeah, you gotta be happy before you jump in. But the happiness ain't gonna stay if you're not getting the reinsurance from your mate. But I agree with that because um that. If 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 you don't say that, you know what I'm saying about your wife cooking or something, then they'll be like, you get you start getting rice overcooked. You'll start getting you know salty chicken or under salted chicken or super dry rice just because they're trying to do different things because they're not getting that acknowledgement. You know that that they feel like they should get it as far as the food being good or something like that. Yeah, that's definitely true because like you said, they're gonna they're gonna feel they gotta search. For something that's missing, when it, in reality it might not be missing, it's just us having to, to you know, pick them up, tell them what we're thinking, stop assuming that they know we feel this way, stop assuming that, uh, you know, five years into your marriage, ten years into your marriage, your wife's not going to assume that you still think she's beautiful if you ain't telling her every day. Like your wife isn't going to think like it's just saying like the rice is cooked good. If you ain't telling her it's good, she's like, dang, he ain't really say nothing tonight. So it's like, why well, let it boil a little bit more? Or did I let it boil? Now you're crunching on something that you shouldn't be crunching on because you ain't doing your job to make your wife. Now, that's definitely a fact. So another question I want to ask y'all, being that y'all both married, and I hear this a lot. I hear a lot of men saying that when you married, you in this together. So with that being said, when it's time to have sex, they feel obligated or they feel like they partner need to give them sex because... A lot of men tell me that they can't get it nowhere else. So at the end of the day, this is they, this is their wife' responsibility. What is your intake on that? Um, I feel like, yeah, you have you have an obligation to your partner to uh, fulfill their needs. But I mean, the the wives are also human too. You know what I mean? So I don't feel like they're like we don't own. You know what I mean? Like I don't own my wife. Like if she be like. No, I can't, you know, throw her around and you know what I mean, rip her clothes off. Like you can't do that. You know what I mean? Like you, so it's like, yeah, I mean, yes, it's that's on them, you know, to help fulfill our needs, but it's not their obligation every day to, you know, wait on us hand and knee and and you know, wait for you to pull your joints down. You know what I mean? Like, nah, like I don't I don't feel like it's to that extreme. Um, but I feel like as partners, you both have that obligation to each other. So maybe like the middle towards the end of high school, I started watching this really great show. I watch it to this day. So I probably know what it is. It's called Law and Order SDU. Uh, and that lets you know that they got every right to tell you no. Um, so like they said, at the end of the day, your mate is a human. So if, if they're not in the mood and you are, it's just one of those days where, you know, you're just not going to get any. And it's going to be the other way around where you may be tired from work or you might just be fragile not there today and your mate wants some. Like, it is going to be days where y'all click. You just got to take advantage of the days where y'all click because at the end of the day, everybody got the right to say no. Like, I can't tell my wife, like, hey, I, I want to do something tonight. Like, no. And then, you know, you got to a nice where neither of you guys may really be in the mood at first, but you know, the mate makes the initial move and it can get there. But you also got to move slowly. 
Like, you don't just, like he said, go in and throw them on the bed and be aggressive. He might kiss your mate, and that kiss can lead into you guys having a good night. Or that kiss may be like, hey, babe, you know what? I'm a little tired. And at the end of the day, if he tired, then we tired together because ain't nothing going to happen without an okay. Nothing. If, if your wife say, I'm tired, there's a dub for the rest of the night. Like, <laughs> but as a, also as a husband, you know, like wives have like little small tails and everybody knows their own wife. So you come home and she did this thing over here and you're like, oh, okay, she did that. And then you come in the, in the room, oh, oh, she put the kids, oh, oh, it might be my lucky day. And you go, you do your little sign and then she signed and then you good. You know, like you said, you, y'all click it. <laughs> Nah, that's definitely a fact, and I'm glad y'all addressed that. And like y'all said, I'm honestly, I'm honestly on the same page as y'all. Cause even though I'm not married, at the end of the day, I feel like if your girl say no, that means no. I always been that type, whether I'm dating a female or not. If I hear one no, whether they playing or not, that means no. Cause I'm not going to jail. You're not saying I raped you. I'm not going through that. And at the end of the day, not to be that person, and I'm not getting promote. I'm not getting paid to promote. But there's porn out there that you can easy watch it. We all got a hand, but I ain't going to get into all that. We all men. So how did y'all childhood shape y'all into the man that y'all are today? Um, For me, I feel like my childhood um, made me observant, very observant. Uh, My childhood made me um, think fast while observing. Um, It gave me like a like an outer shell. You know, it it made me watch every little thing. It, it, It made me grow up a little faster. So I felt like, I feel like that has shaped me into the parent that wants my kid to be able to be a kid. You know, I don't want my kid to have to grow up fast. I don't want my kid to have to be observant. I want him to feel safe wherever he is. You know, I want him to to go out and play and be a kid, you know, do all the things a kid do. You know what I mean? Imagine that you flying across the room, you know, in a box. The other day, my son was playing in a box and I was like, what are you doing? (laughs) You know what I mean? I've never done that. But that's part of a childhood that, you know, I didn't get a chance to experience. So I'm happy. I, I know it, it's kind of weird because I'm, I'm happy that my childhood took it away so that I can give it, you know, to my kids. So that's how I feel like my childhood did. Yeah, it, it's kind of the same for me because you had a lot growing up, TV shows, friends, family, whatever. You always want to give your kid what you didn't have. And what I learned is that is true, but you also got to be able to duplicate the good things you had and learn from the bad things you you didn't have. Like, you know, I was raised, um, my mom was very spiritual. I'm not saying I'm the most spiritual person, um, but I know what I learned there. And I know like, hey, I want my child to, to have these traits. And also know like, hey, you know, people in this spiritual organization act in a certain way and I don't want my child to be treated this way. So I know that if I want him to still know the same God or spirit that I, no, but I'm going to teach it different. Uh, like one thing growing up, uh, you always was like, don't talk back. It's disrespectful. And as I grow up, and I'm 28 years old. My mom is always like, don't be rude. And I just be like, yo, just because I don't agree with you don't mean I'm rude. And, and, you know, as I started getting older and me and my wife was playing and kids, we always talk like, yo, we're going to let our kid tell us how they feel. And that's a big thing because, like, you know, growing up, expressing how you felt was disrespectful your mom is like hey you know what wash the dishes and you i grew up with three siblings two sisters and a cousin that grew up with us 
Um, so I may have dishes five days in a row. And I'm like, hey, mom, I don't think it's fair. Can they do it? Like, and my mom's like, don't be disrespectful. Right now we have one. But if I have more and Trey's the oldest and I'm like, yo, go wash these dishes. Then it's the fifth day in a row. He's like, hey, I don't want to do it. Can my brother do it? I'm like, yo, you're right. You did do it mad times this week. He's old enough to do it as well. I, my bad. Let me rotate. And, like, even now, my son is one, and I say sorry. Like, sometimes it, it can be the smallest stuff. Like, I bumped him, and he fell over. Like, oh, daddy's sorry. Trey, get up. I, I, my bad. And I rub his head. Like, parents don't apologize, at least back in the day, because, again, when they grew up, they were the parents. Like, the parents got the last say, so why am I apologizing for what I feel in Again, you take the good that you learned. My mom made sure I had clothes on my back, food on the table, roof over my head. So I knew I got to do that. But I also got to know that, hey, I got to apologize because it wasn't done to me as much as I liked it. And I didn't like the feeling. I don't want my child to have that. Uh, you know, so I even asked us a couple of questions, bro. Let me just get one in here real quick. You know, because all the communication that we talked about, the difference between our communication styles and how we grew up and how it affected us uh, to become the men we are, you know. One big thing that I see a lot is are can men be vulnerable or do we always gotta have that hard exterior shell? And pretty much I just want to see what you guys are. Are you a vulnerable person or do you guys got that hard shell to, you know, keep everything out? I mean, honestly, I feel like I'm kind of both. When growing up, you know, not to always be that person or say, you know, the hood make you hard or that type of person, but growing up in that type of atmosphere. I have more of a harder shell, and it's something that I'm still working on currently with my mate. Sometimes I, I'm a little bit too hard, or even a lot of times when we go out places, I got it so bad. Maybe it's, maybe it's PTSD. I don't know, but a lot of times if we go out in the neighborhood, I'm looking around, or I'm trying to make sure we're good, and it takes me a minute to enjoy the environment before I can put my guard down because... Like I said, being in the hood, going through so much stuff, you know, you always feel like you have to protect or you got to know what's going on. So me, I feel like I do have a harder shell and I do get emotional here and there or I show her that soft side. But I'm not going to lie, I don't get, do it too often. So sometimes she's like, are you OK today? Like, what is this? Oh, Saladin being extra different. I'm like, yo, I'm trying here just because, you know, I act like this or that. But, you know, it's something that I feel like, you know, we still working on. Um, for me, I, I feel like uh, the same with, with Sal as far as like having that hard shell. Um, that that PTSD thing is, is real from the hood. Like right now, I moved um, to Harrison, but I'm still in that mindset. Or even if I'm at work, you know, I'm still in that mindset of I got to keep my head on the swivel. I got to know what's over there. I got to know what's over there. I've had a few coworkers tell me like I'm too observant, and I'm like, how does that make sense? Like you can't be too prepared. Because anything can happen at any time. You know what I mean? I could We could pull into a station. I hop out the train and somebody come up behind me or something. And they're like, why do you get off and look both ways on the train? I'm like, it's, it's I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? But that I, I do definitely feel like I have like a hard exterior. And um, I remember growing up and, and my dad told me, I remember I was like 10 probably. He said, never let anybody see you cry. And I took that to heart so for so long i was like hiding my tears and, and you know hide my emotions and just keeping that outer shell and when i would get by myself it would all flow out and i would have like a day or two of just feeling bad and feeling depressed or, or whatever it was um 
But I feel like the one person I actually am vulnerable with is my wife. You know, I've I told her she's the only person that I let see me cry. She's the only person that I'll tell her if I cried and she didn't see it. You know what I mean? I'll I'll laugh with her, I'll play with her, I'll joke with her, I, I you know, everything I feel like the vulnerability I, I showed to her. Um, so I am vulnerable and also to my kids, you know, I to I let my kids know that it's okay to to show your emotion and, and be vulnerable, but just don't let anything, you know, take advantage of you in any type of situation. What about you, Dave? Nah, yo, the way that you guys approached that question was, was crazy. And like, when I thought about it, when I, when I said it to you guys, I kind of broke it down two different ways and kind of Ace kind of did the same thing. Cause you know, I, I approached it, like, how do I do it with my wife? And then how do I do it with my everyday life? Like with my wife, I'm, I'm vulnerable. Like, like if we talk about stuff, like if she like, Hey, I want to do this. Like, or, Hey, I get money for this. You want to buy me flowers. Um, Cause you know, I buy the flowers, but hey, it may go every three months. She may say in the second month, hey, you want to give me some flowers? And I'm like, no, nah, man, I just got you flowers. And two days later, I'm home with flowers. Like, and she always be like, yo, you say no, but you end up doing it. So, you know, I try to act tough, but I'm vulnerable. That's the person you love. And I'm kind of saying with my son, like, yo, man, I'm not buying you no toys. When we get in this Walmart, we come out, we got the big toy in the cart. So, like, <laughs> with your family, I'm, I'm, I'm vulnerable. And kind of like, away from family, and Sal kind of noticed, like I said, we went to middle school together, like, like it frayed down. I was a crybaby. Like, and it wasn't like I was a crybaby that I was soft, but like if I got angry, I cried. Cause I'm like, my mom was like, yo, don't go to school and get in trouble. So like I couldn't, I, I wanted to fight people, but I wasn't gonna fight. My mom like, why are you getting in the fight? That was stupid. So like when people got me mad, I was like, ah, and I would cry. And they're like, oh, you the crybaby, you the crybaby. And again, growing up, you feel like I'm getting closer to being a man. So when I went to high school, Unfortunately, none of my friends went to high school with me. Sal let me down, but as I, um, so when I went to high school, I'm like, I don't know nobody. Did. Like that crying stuff is getting left behind. And like Sal said, I'm I'm from North, and I'm going to school in Bloomfield, so I'm like, yeah, the North coming with me. Like that crying in middle school, not like they going to see Donald from North, and and really that's been my life. Like right now, I work in an urban area dealing with like electronics, so walking down the street. I got my mask on, swivel, like, shoulders up. Like, if nobody trying to bump into me. And sometimes I'd be thinking, like, yo, I'm about to go into the store. I got to I gotta loosen up. Because, you know, you, you're you told to, like, a father told him, like, yo, don't let nobody see you cry. Like I said, I was the baby, crybaby in middle school. So, like, when I got to high school, I'm like, no, nah, they going to know like, I'm a man. So you, you, you got the tough interior to try to show people, like, yo, don't try me. But, you know, with your loved ones, that's out the window. Like, yo, what you want that? I, you again, I'm not going to do it, but it's going to be here tomorrow. Oh, Trey, you ain't getting no toys. They, I got two. One still in the car. I'm going to give it to them next weekend. Like, so it, it depends on how, what you're approaching. Because not my family. Oh, you're getting this down from North. But if you my wife and my son, you know, it's whatever. You my mom. I'm not going to get you these shoes. You know, y'all going to give mommy these shoes? Like, here go the money. Like, so it depends on what you're approaching. Nah, that's definitely a fact. And one thing I wanted to bring up too, like A said, you know, his father told him that never, you know, never let nobody see you cry. My father said the same thing, but he also did it in an asshole way, right? So I'm going to tell you a little quick story, right? So a lot of times, you know, when you're a kid and me, I was one of them kids, I'm not going to lie, like I was intimidated by my father. 
I I go outside, I think I could beat the whole world, but if it's me and that guy, like, he could just look at me or give me a mean look, and I'm, I start crying because I know I'm about to get ass whooping. Like, you know, I know what time it is. Like, he don't even got to communicate. He just make that look like, I'm like, fuck, I fucked up again. Maybe if I don't look at him, I don't get this ass whooping. But anyway, <laughs> I say that to say, like, growing up, my father, he still always tell me and my brother, like, talk up. So he about, if you talk too low, people going to walk all over you. So the thing that he used to say, and it still get on my nerves because I'm a man today, and he still say here, but talk up, dude. You sound like a little bitch, man. Talk up, man. And you'll be like, what the fuck? Like, nigga, I just woke up. Like, excuse me. Like, he be like, I can't hear you, man. What, you got shit in your mouth or whatever? So, like, with that being said, like, I know. <laughs> I know, like, with that being said, you know, it definitely, I'm not going to say that it made me extra hard or, you know, extra tough, but having that constantly repeated in your head, it you know it sticks with you whether it's a good or a bad thing. What do y'all think about Levar Ball and how he is with his boys? As far as like you know, because I mean for me, I feel like he promotes his kids, he loves his kids, talks a lot. But then I've heard a lot of people go both ways. So what do y'all think about? Him? Yo, Sal, yo, mind. I want to go first because straight up, I love this man as a father, bro. And it's not the first, I'm not going to try to make the show, of course, racist, but it's not the first time that a black parent was being called out for supporting their kids. And I can't wait to the movie come out. Uh, but Serena and um, Venus Father did the same thing where he was the one saying like, yo, my kid's going to be the, the truth. And they're like, yo, calm down. Like, no, they're not. They're just going to be average. And Serena women might retire the best tennis player. Like, not just women. Like, if she continue to stay strong, like, look, she came back from giving birth to a child and still dominated. Um, so, to me, what LeVar Ball is doing is, is excellent. Like, he's uplifting his kid. Of course, is does he say some things that can be worded differently? Yes. But, like, he's doing what every person would want their parent to do. Like, if my parent not going around telling the world that I'm the best basketball player ever and I'm putting all this work into basketball then I'm gonna question myself it's the same thing that we talked about earlier about like if we're not telling our wives the food is good they're going they might overcook or undercook the rice like if I'm not telling my son or telling the world like my son is the best basketball player ever then he is he going to fight to be as good as Michael Jordan or is he going to become a Kwame Brown and please don't come after me you'll love the guy uh but is he going to be a Kwame Brown like, you know, you got to support your kids and you give your all. And I guess there's other ways to do it, like a John Morant dad, where he's like his number one critic, but it's still support. Like, yo, you dropped 50, but probably going to drop 60 if you made the free throws. But you got to understand, he started off with you, you dropped 50. So that's kind of a way, like, I see what you did there. But these parents who want us, especially all of us as black men, to, to be quiet while our kids to see versus us boosting our kids up while they're doing good. And everything he said was a fact. All his kids is either in the NBA or the G League. And two of them got drafted in the top five. So that man ain't lying not once. Nah, honestly, I feel the same way. I feel like LaVar, he's actually a great father to me. I don't know him behind camera. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, everybody got their flaws and everybody, you know, they got their good and they bad. But I feel like to me, on from what I see, he's a great father and like Donald said, the fact that he believed in sons and he pushed them, I feel like that's the best thing you could do for your kids. Because not to get stuck in my old moves or anything, but 
I feel like if my father pushed me more towards sports than showing me how to make money, I probably would have took sports a little bit more serious or, you know, do a little bit more. I feel like a lot of times when our parents don't acknowledge us or, you know, give us, you know, a little pat on the back or our flowers, you know, it can discourage us or make us walk away from something. But at the end of the day, too, it's good to have the flowers and it's also good to have your parent be a critic because you want to know that you're doing good or bad. At the end of the day, I don't care what nobody said. I don't care how old are you. A lot of times you could be 50 years old. Your your parent might be uh, 60, 80 or 90. At the end of the day, you still want to hear, hey, I see you. You do, you're doing your thing, kid. Like you still want that acknowledgement, no matter whether you're a kid or adult. So in my in my book, I feel like he's doing great. But what about you, Ace? Yeah, I feel like I just wanted to get y'all opinion because I, you know, I hear a lot of people um, talk about him and they're like, oh, he do this, he say this, or he talk too much and all this. It's like, yeah, but those are his sons. You know what I mean? Those, those, those are his babies. They literally came from him and his wife making them. I'm sorry for anybody that, that don't like the sound of that. You know, it sounds weird, but like that's literally what happened. So why wouldn't you? put your kids up and say, look, you are going to be, I tell my kids, I used to tell my kids that when they was in the stomach, you know what I mean? They in the belly and I'm talking to them like, yo, you're going to be great. You're going to be important. You're going to be intelligent. You're going to be knowledgeable. You know what I mean? You got to speak those things into your, into your children. And he believes his kids to the utmost. I mean, I think he'd be gassing sometimes about like him beating Michael Jordan or whatever, but like, it is what it is. He's an old head. You know what I mean? He can do that. But like, promote your kids to that you know that's what i i kind of strive to that especially you know he got three boys i got three boys so i look at that like man you know what i mean he he really was riding for his boys no matter what nobody said you know what i mean it didn't matter what who said what or what a uh uh analyst said or or commentator said he like nah listen man, that's my son you put the other dude on the court and my son gonna spank him you know what i mean like i i try to do that with my son he played in soccer i'm like little listen man you know what I mean, I know, I know they sick, but guess what? You put your boy on my boy, my boy gonna smack you. <laughs> but that's how I feel about it. All right, so you know, we spoke a lot about um, us as fathers, husbands, and we we talked a little bit about this, but let's get a little bit more opinions as far as about what our parents did for us, or what specifically our fathers did for us. Pretty much, Ace, if you don't mind, just starting this up. Uh, how was your relationship with your father and how do you feel they helped shape you into the man you are? Um, with my father, um, my, I met my father when I was eight. You know, they say he was around when I was younger, um, up to one years old. And then he went away, you know, legal things. And then I, that's as far as I can remember back of meeting him that day when he came home and, um, Initially, it was it was weird because I'm like, I, I don't know what to do or, you know, how to be around this person. And then, you know, time grows. And like I said earlier, my father told me about, you know, not crying in front of people. And he would give me little gems. Um, and my father, you know, he had his own struggles. So I, to me, it was kind of like looking at from what the world is saying the man is, you know, somebody that provides and protects. You know, I knew he had like his street side, you know, which was like for the outer shell. But then for me, it wasn't, you know, as far as like uh, economics, you know, as far as money and stuff like that, because my father had already dealt with a few things. So he was struggling a little bit with that, but he always was supportive. You know, he he showed me 
that you can love someone and and provide for someone without physically providing for them. You know, you can you can give someone something without giving them anything. You could physically, you can, you know, support your children like we were talking about with, with LeVar Ball, support your children to the end of the earth without giving them a dime. You know, he showed me how to love people and support people without having the money or the, the cars and all that. And I appreciate him to the max for that. You know, I feel like he showed me so I can show my boys, you know. So I, I appreciate him for that. And he's always been there to support me and um, root me on and, and, and help me in any kind of way he can, you know. Um, but how about you, Don? For me, a lot of people that's probably listening don't know. My dad passed away when I was 13. So uh, at first, you know, I was upset. He's not going to be here. He's not going to be graduating middle school. He's not going to be graduating high school. And like, as I started getting older, I started realizing I had to take what I learned in that 13 years I had with him uh, and kind of help it help me grow up. Because, like, you know, my dad wasn't there to help me learn how to tie a tie. But I got to understand that he was there to show me, hey, like, yo, this is how you know your brakes went bad. Like, he was there to tell me, like, hey, yo, take care of your mom, take care of your sisters. Like, if I'm not there, you're the man in the house. So, like, he, it's, I got to take advantage of the things he did teach me. And, and of course, the things that I, I missed out on, it helps me today because I'm like, hey, unfortunately, like, my dad wasn't here to do this. So maybe I should do this earlier in my son. Like, because, again, I might not be here. My son graduates middle school, my son graduates high school, but I don't want him to be like, hey, I wasn't able to learn this. When it may not be something he has to learn at 21, 18, it can be something he can learn really at 10. Like, so, you know, my dad always told me, and it's kind of funny here, because, uh, you know, like I said, I grew up in Newark. My grandma lived down in Bradley Court, so he used to always, that's his mom, so we stayed down there. Like I said, in school, I knew how to fight, but I never got into fights, so my mom said, don't get in trouble. And, but outside in Newark, you got to protect yourself. So my dad's like, you know, don't be a punk, be tough. And one of the biggest things is like, you know, in Bradley Court, people had their clicks, they had their friends. He's like, you got to defend yourself. But don't be stupid. He's like, if it's you and it's five of them, don't think you're going to win that fight. But don't just walk away. If the biggest one, be gone. <laughs> and I had to do it one day at the basketball court. Dude taller than me, probably like five feet at this time. He's probably like five two. It's like five of them. They talking about me because I don't really live here. I just come to visit. And I'm like, I know how to fight a little, but I ain't going to win this one. Hit homeboy and ran to my grandma's house so fast. But like my dad said, is they going to respect me for standing up to myself. I seen these dudes a week later and they're like, yo, you want to go play basketball, Donald? Hey, yo, what you did was cool, bro. You stood up for yourself. And I'm thinking like, my dad going to get me beat up, man. What he talking about? But it, it got them respect because they're like, hey, yo, you ain't just get intimidated and, and back down. And now we know every time we see you, we're going to take your basketball. We're going to take your money. Your grandma gave you to go to the store. Now it's like, yo, you're not going to just let people run over you. So like small stuff like that, that's like, hey, it's not really that important can really help me teach my son the same thing. Nah, I would say honestly for me, like I know I probably threw my father underneath the bus by saying he called me a little bitch or whatever, but. Um, honestly, you know, growing up, um, I mainly had my father in my life, uh, not discrediting my mother, my mother, you know, she was going through drugs and stuff. So we kind of build our relationship stronger later, but most of my life, my father is the one that raised me. So with that being said, um, I feel like he helped me a lot become the man that I am because 
not to get stuck on financial stuff, but that's one of the things he drilled into us because he had me and my brothers and my two cousins working for his uh, construction business at the age of eight. I know he good now, but no, back then he probably would have gotten in trouble. But, you know, at eight years old, we was doing like uh, a lot of labor work and stuff. So it taught me responsibility. It taught me how to work for my own. If I want things, do it. If I need any questions or advice, even to this day, um, I reach out and be like, so um, I'm, I'll be like, yo, um, are you in a mental space to talk? He'll be like, yeah, what's up? So I'll ask him a question and he'll be there to guide me through whatever I'm going through or, you know, give me that advice. Because um, at the end of the day, the way I look at life is if somebody been on this earth way longer than you, they have more experience. And not to be that person or say my father knows everything. But he was one of them dudes, I ain't gonna lie, he used to make me mad as a kid. So he would call, it's like, he'll call out a play, right? But I give you an example, right? He'll say, don't go over here because this gonna happen. And you're like, he don't know what the hell he talking about. I go over there and that, and it happens. And then I look at him and he like, what happened? I don't want to say you right, but I'm like, yeah, you was right, man. You was right. But I say it in my head, but I say all that to say, honestly, you know, my father, I love him and I thank him, man. He helped make me the man that I am today. And he, he continued to help make me a better man. So so my question for y'all is, being that y'all are two black fathers, how do y'all feel like raising minority children in this world today? Um, I, I feel like me, uh, so I'll use like the example of uh, where we're living at. So we live in Harrison. Harrison is a predominantly white, Portuguese, Asian, Indian area. As you, you know, coming from North, you know, like, all right, they don't really like us in certain areas. You know, they don't really want to see us over here, over there. So it was big for me to find a place that was a mixture, you know, just of all different kinds of people, which is kind of one of the reasons why I chose this area, because there is Asians, whites, Portuguese, Spanish. You know, there are some black people in Harrison. So I didn't want my kids to um, stick out. Number one, I didn't want anybody to point at them and say, well, hi, you're different. First off, everybody here different. You know what I mean? Um, but I also try to prepare them in, in every sense of the way for the world. Because I grew up in a household where the main thing in the household was, it is what it is. You know what I mean? And my grandfather, uh, rest in peace to my grandfather, he raised our whole family off of that. Like, you know, it is what it is, straightforward. Don't ask a question if you don't want to answer. Don't ask a stupid question if you don't want a stupid answer. You know what I mean? Like, it is what it is. If you ask me if the sky blue, it's blue. I ain't going to say it's red, even though you want me to say it's red. So I try to get them prepared. I try to make them mentally tough, but also intelligent. So no matter what the world brings at them, they are ready to handle it, assess it, and then find a solution. And I, I try to tell my son that now all the time because he has a temper. And uh, I grew up with a temper. and being a young kid with curly hair, curly fro that stick out, you know, people are going to expect you to, to get angry and lash out and lose your temper and start throwing stuff or, 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 you know, be loud. You know, if that's what his personality is, they expect that. So I try to teach him that when you get angry, don't get angry. Don't, don't throw a, a tantrum, you know, don't, don't get mad. Think about the situation, take a breath, think about it, analyze it, assess it, figure out what you have to do to get a solution. You know, so I'm trying my best for that. Um, my wife thinks I'm too hard on them sometimes, but then again, they're boys. You know, life, the world not going to care. Um, and I've, I've, I always tell her, 
One of my favorite movies, Remember the Titans, Denzel Washington, as many people see it. Denzel Washington is talking to Coach Yokes, the white coach. And at this time, it's like the 60s, I believe. So it's white and black, you know, civil rights movement. And um, Coach Yokes was um, pulling the African-American players to the side every time Coach Boom, Denzel Washington, came down hard on him. And Denzel Washington walked to him and said, listen, I don't see you doing that with the other players. And I don't need you to do that because the world don't care about how sensitive these kids are, especially young black boys. You know, the world don't care. The world sees you and needs you to do this. Everything else doesn't matter. You know, so I, I try to prepare them and, and, and keep them ready and to, to handle what the world's going to bring. What about you, D? So my son's only one. So it's but so much we can do. So uh, a lot of it is just me and my wife pretty much communicating on what age we feel is comfortable to, to discuss certain topics. So for him being one now, you know, the thing I want to do is, you know, show him as much love as possible. Uh, again, still learning that one. Like, hey, don't do this. Uh, he's starting to sit attention. Like, hey, you know, you're telling him, like, hey, relax, calm down. It's still a one-year-old. Like, he hears it. And sometimes you take it in. He learns. And then sometimes it's like, yo, bro, whatever, bro. I want to watch Paw Patrol. I'm upset. So he don't really know stuff like that. So what I want to do is because the world doesn't do it for minorities as much is to show him love. Like, let him know that, like, you're, you're not just a number, not just a person. Like, you're a, you're a person that is love. So that's what me and my wife do now. Uh, but something that's really crazy to me, and I've, like, discussed it with some friends. Uh, aside, I think we had a discussion before at an outing. Uh, a show that is, to me, I think is 20 out of 10. It's an excellent show. I think everybody needs to see it at least once. I know it sounds crazy. I think I watched it four times already, and I want to watch it again. Uh, it's for I, I think it's now you see us, or it's about the the prospect uh, five, the the gentleman that got um, falsely accused of brutally beating and raping a white young lady in a park in in New York, uh, and all these. And I think it's so important because. We can say, hey, this happened years ago, but it's it's still happening. Like it's not front page as it was then, but it is still happening to young black men. And and it's so much things that it's like, hey, it's egregious. These these gentlemen went through so many things that is uh I just don't want to see, but it's like it taught me so much. Like one of the things that taught me so much uh was the young Muslim brother, um, him and his he went to, to when they had got him, uh, his mom went down there and got him. She's like, yo, he ain't got no lawyer. He's a kid. You're not going to talk to him. And he went home. And you see everybody else, like some went home hours later. The next day, some didn't go home, like until they was eventually released. And I'm like, all right, I need to let my son know. And I, I want to do it at like eight. My wife's like maybe 10, but I need to let him know. If you ever get locked up and you're a child, don't talk. If I'm not there, don't talk. I don't care if the cop is telling you, hey, we can just relax and have a conversation. Ask for your parents. Because these other gentlemen didn't know that. And it seems small, but it's not. Because the friend that went through the most, and I'm really upset that I don't know his name right now off the top of my head, the, the one that went through the most wasn't even on the radar. Like he He wasn't on the list to get picked up. His friend said, he took his friend to jail and the officer's like, hey, you want to come with him? And he said, yo, your mom will be mad at me if I don't. This dude could have went home and went to sleep. 
And I want to also show my child from that point of view. If they're offering you to come in, say no. But you know, hey, your mom's going to be mad at me if I don't. But you know what? I think that his mom will be nicer if you say, no, I'm not going to go, and you go to her apartment again. Now, instead of her having to call police department to find her son, she knows he went here, and you can probably tell her why. So I think that is such a great show. It's like four episodes, and they have after episodes of doing interviews with the, the gentleman out there out. It teaches you, like, and these guys were falsely accused. You have people as far as our last president asking for a death penalty for kids back in the day growing up. Like, stuff like this is still happening today. We have Rihanna Taylor. just happened. Um, Amar Brar, um, I can't pronounce his name so, so far. His, his trial is going on right now. Like, it's so people of minorities are still being treated bad today. So even though a lot of these crimes happened way before we was even born, probably, uh, you just want your kids to know this is what you can face. They may go to life and never face it. They may go to life where their friends faced it. And when they bring it up, they like, hey, I don't know what to tell you. But if they know what these are things that somebody that looks like them can face, and when a friend go through it, they can probably be there for support because they have an understanding of this happened to us 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 200 years ago, versus, hey, man, my parents moved to a nice neighborhood when I was six. I don't really know what you're talking about. Sorry. So I, I just want him to be prepared as much as possible. So, again, because he's one, me and my wife is not just in the communication stages of, hey, he needs to know not about just the birds and the bees. He needs to know about, hey, uh, ask a cop, it might be at detained. He needs to know, hey, uh, it might be arrested. Hey, do you have a warrant? Uh, you cannot check my car without a warrant. Um, why are you pulling me over? Yes, give them your license and registrations, but understand that you don't have to check your car because they said they just want to. Why do you want to check my car? Oh, you don't have a reason? I need a warrant. Can I see your sergeant? He needs to understand what his rights are, but also understand if he feels the situation is getting out of control, you stepping out of the car and maybe going in cuffs can save your life versus doing the uproar. And now we don't know if my son's coming. No, I'm glad that you definitely brought that up in that show or that series that you're talking about. I'm not going to lie. I definitely enjoyed it. Not saying that I really like what was going on, but I enjoyed it from learning from it and, you know, understanding it. But it definitely made me real mad. And like, I felt furious. Like I wanted to go out and attack and shows like that. Like I said, it can do good and bad, but I'm definitely glad that I watched it because like you said, it gave us point is that we can share with our kids or, you know, even people that we know or anybody. So they would never go through that. Hopefully they would never go through that system or whatever they went through again. But with that being said, uh, the next question I want to ask y'all, what was the lowest point in your adult life and why? For me, the lowest point in my adult life uh, has to be, I want to say it was four years ago, three or four years ago. Um, three years ago, I know three years ago, because my wife was pregnant. We had my oldest son. He was about one years old, one to two years old. Yeah, she was pregnant in this span of, I want to say a month. We were getting passed due on bills. We got an eviction notice. They took the car that we had, the one car that we had. Um, I had to go to work, but I'm, you know, in that time getting 
referrals and, and, and just docs and, and bad notices. You know what I mean? Like the money wasn't coming in like it was supposed to. So that was probably my my lowest point in my adulthood. And that's when I realized that I didn't know what it was like to be a man, <laughs> to be honest. I'm definitely glad that you opened up and you shared that. And I feel like, honestly, that is a that is more common than what most people would say. But what about you, Dave? Uh, so, like I said earlier, like growing up, I always was told, like, hey, you know, um, like to, to be married, to be a man, you got to be able to provide, not just financially, spiritually, mentally. Uh, and a mentor of mine who, who unfortunately has a mental issue, like, but I didn't know he was going through episodes. So, like, for my religion, you're only supposed to date if you're looking for marriage. And, you know, I started dating my wife when I was, I want to say, 16, maybe going on 17. Uh, so, and I wasn't supposed to date that early. And eventually she ended up being a person I didn't marry. And, like, as I got older, I'm like, you know, I want to marry her. But it was always taught, like, yo, you shouldn't be dating at this point. So, you know, as I got older, I'm starting, like, yeah, you know, I'm not going to hide it from him no more. You know, I'm, I'm dating. And he started telling me, like, you, you dating, like, you can't take care of nobody. Like, you don't got no job. You don't got no money. Like, you know, we're studying spiritually, but do you think you're here yet? And it, I had a meltdown. Like, I started questioning, like, do, do I have this? Like, you're right. Like, I, I do got a job, but I was, the job I had at that point was, like, a, a check-in at an agency that it wasn't like, hey, they're going to send you to this spot and you work there for, like, two months and then you come back. It was like I was getting up at five in the morning, get into the agency at six in the morning, hoping to get in the van at seven in the morning. And I was doing this every day, but it wasn't consistent money. So I'm like, damn, I don't have a job. Like I, I like this can end any moment. Like I'm I'm not baptized in my religion. So I'm like, damn, like am I am I strong enough spiritually? And and I'm crying. So I'm like, man, am I mentally strong enough? Like I can't be crying, man. I'm supposed to be the strong one. Again, the tough exterior. I'm from Newark. Like, I can't be crying. So, like, at that point, that really was, like, my weakest. And my crazy part is my wife is probably going to hear this. And she's like, bro, we never had this conversation before. Um, but, like, I was I was really questioning, like, yo, should I, should I be dating? Like, am I holding her back? Because I'm not where this, this again, older mentor of mine was telling me I need to be. Like, not I should be, but I need to be here before I become a man. And at that point, you know, after sitting for it for about a week, I started realizing, like, everybody's definition of a man is different. That's what he was told when he was in his 20s. But he's also, like, 50, 60 now. So a man back then, 18 years old, he's working in the bear factory, the, the, the Ford factory. Like, you, your 401k is stacked up by the time you're 40. It's not the same for me now. It's not, again, the jobs available to me is McDonald's, Foot Locker, and stuff like that, or this this agency I got to go to every morning. But then I started realizing that, like, I, I, I'm getting up every morning. Like, I'm 18, and they're putting me on the van before 40-year-olds because the spot I'm going to tells them by name they want me. So, but I didn't know that the moment he was telling me that. I was, I was like, shit, what am I going to do? Nah, I definitely can understand where you're coming from because, like you said, as your mentor, that definitely has a big impact because that's somebody that you look up to. So it probably felt like, God damn, I'm not doing enough. So I definitely understand what you're coming from. But for me, I would say my lowest point is, and some of the broadcasts probably already know it, but I'm going to say it again. My lowest point was 
I had just moved into my first place with my um girlfriend at the time, and we haven't even been together for a year, so that was even interesting. But you know, due to circum due to circumstances, we had to move in a little bit quicker with each other than possible. So I did that, and you know, everything was going good. You know, just got my new place. I like it. It's it's nice, and um, I'm going to school. I'm working. Then I get uh laid off from my job. Cool, and then I just bought a brand new car. And on top of it, um, being that I lost my job, I'm now I'm behind on my payments and I'm trying to make sure I cover rent because rent is priority before my car note. So I'm doing that. And then after that, I started getting a mental space where my school, it might sound crazy. My school was only 20 minutes away. To me, it felt like an hour. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? I'm not in the mental space. I'm going home today. My parents are not here. They can't make me go to school. I'm not going to school today. So I wound up doing that, and with that semester, I, I didn't fail, but I also didn't do as great. And that kind of put me in a depression because I was at home in my new place, and I was lying to my girl. She's like, you good today? Yeah, you know, I'm just going to stay home. I'm going to enjoy this place because we spending a lot of money, so I'm going to, you know, enjoy this spot. So I'm doing that or whatever, and little do she know I'm in my bag. So I'm so much in my bag that I'm playing NBA 2K. And, man, they should sponsor me because I'm tired of bringing y'all up. But, anyway, I'm playing NBA 2K, and I'm putting all this effort into a character because I felt like, as a man, I couldn't do it for myself. So, I was like, being that I can't do this for myself, I'm going to make this character the best character in the world. Like, So, I'm up day and night, like, and Donald, he can attest because it was a Super Bowl party. And I left the Super Bowl party, and I was like, man, my boys is on. I'm about to go play 2K. He said, Sal, who the hell leads a Super Bowl party to play 2K? I said, bro, I hear you, but I'm going to play my game. So I was so much in my bag that at the end, at the end of the day, I was staying away from people, and I was staying in my house just playing the game. So I felt like that was my lowest point. Hey, guys, I know the show is almost over. We can't end like that. So I know we just told them our lowest points, but as we said earlier, we know we climbed out of it. So y'all can just tell. The listeners, real quick, how y'all was able to overcome them, them difficult points in your life. So one way that I was able to overcome that was I had sat down with my um girl at the time, and I finally realized this was this was being a man because my behavior before that was real childish and real boyish. So I told her how I was feeling, and she understood. And you know the bad thing about it, like after I told her, like I don't know was it a sign or a blessing, I wound up getting unemployment and I was able to, you know, collect unemployment. So now I was able to catch up on my bills, do what I got to do. If she wanted the, a gift or something at the time, I think with unemployment, I was getting like 500 a week. So I was like, Hey, you, you take a little bit of this and you do, do whatever you want to do because I felt like I wasn't doing enough as a man. So now I had to play catch up. So I had to make up for the things that I couldn't do at the time. So that helped me get me out, and also I started grinding with uh, DoorDash and stuff like that. So I was able to bring the money in, and it put me in a better mental space. And then I was uh, able to start working out, so that's how I got out of my bag. Uh, for me, um, I had to uh, – I feel as though it was finding myself. Like, I had to get – I'm a person that needs, like, consistency, for anything to work, I need to know A, B, C, D, E, F, G, all the way down to Z. And it needs to happen in this order. 
you know, if one thing goes off, okay, cool, we go one letter. But if we skip two letters, now we got a problem. Because when I was at my lowest point, I was skipping two, three, four letters at a time, just trying to get to anything. Um, so I, I, I got a job that was uh, consistent enough for me with a consistent schedule. I started to do um, Uber Eats and, and DoorDash and stuff like that. Um, I started saving because I, at that point in time, I don't know why, but I was just like, I'm going to buy this. And I'm going to buy that. And I'm going to do this. And then, as we said before, from earlier, when you're younger, you'd be like, oh, I could do this and that. And then when the bills come, you're like, wait a minute, I can't do that. You know what I mean? So um, I started just ignoring everything else. That's why I said I, I kind of found myself. I got to a point where, because I was going out all the time, too, I got to a point where I said, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to keep to myself. So it's kind of like I, I had to get one with myself. I started working out and that created that consistency for me because then it, it became wake up, go to the gym, go to work, come home, be with my wife, be with my kids, go to sleep, do it all over again. Wake up, go work out, go to, go to, um, to work. You know what I mean? So it's like, I still do that to this day because I, I have that in the back of my head of, if I don't do this, this is going to happen. If I don't do this, if I don't challenge myself this way, this is not going to happen as far as in the gym. If I don't challenge myself to do this every day, then who's to say that I'm going to go to work today? You know, because everything is scheduled. Everything is timed. So if I don't do this part, if I don't do A, I can't get to B. And if I can't get to B, I can't get to C. If I can't get to C, I can't go down to Z. You know, so I, I had to find myself and get consistency. Um, so that's how I made my way out of it. What about you, Don? So, like I said, you know, a little, I touched on it a little bit, you know, what I started realizing, like I said, was um, everybody's way of doing things is the same. So, like Sal said, this is a mentor of mine, so him telling me this hurt me uh, the most of just hearing it from, like, a random person on the street. But I had to just realize, like, hey, yo, I'm, I'm doing this in my life because it, it helped me at home, it, it helped me me give my girl gifts and stuff like that. I was, I was doing this, this uh, job here to get some money in my pocket. And I'm like, he was telling me, Hey, that's not good enough. And I started realizing like, Hey, you know, end of the day, I'm not looking to marry him. Like I don't, I don't live with him. Like as much as I did look up to him at that moment, like, let me actually discuss it with the people that I, I do want to marry. The, the, the people I do live with. Uh, and I had to con push myself. So, you know, that job was inconsistent. So now it, it pushed me to be like, you know what? I'm going to work my butt off here because I, I still need this to put money in my pocket. But no one he's right. I need a better job. So now, you know, I started putting in the applications instead of being comfortable with just showing up to this to this spot at seven, uh, six o'clock, hoping to be on the, the, the bus at seven. Um, but now I went and I got another job and it was a little bit closer to what I studied in high school. It was great for the moment. It was fun. I talked to my girl like, hey, yo, am I providing enough to you? And she was like, yo, excuse me, we're like 18, 19. She's like, hey, you know, I want to get married to you, but it's not like we're getting married tomorrow. Like, you got time. And that was just like music to my ears because I started realizing, like, I'm not racing the clock. Like, if, if I am, it's a clock I put there. But do I need it? Like, like, is, is my clock running out? Like, is the sand coming down? Like. Am I about to run out of time? 
And by her telling me that and, you know, reassuring me that, like, yo, it's not tomorrow. It doesn't matter if it's a year from now, three years from now. happened up being, like, two or three years from later at that time. But I didn't have to rush. And that allowed me to get comfortable, look for something that allowed me to improve my life. And by not me just being comfortable at not growing, but not also panicking, saying, like, I got to change tomorrow allow me to take the right steps and that got me on my phone. Before I let y'all go, I want to ask y'all this question because I know we all been seeing it a lot on uh, social media. So when it comes to your wife, your mother, and your kids, what's the order of operations? Wife, kids first, and I'm going to leave it at a tie for the mom and the wife. I'm a smart man, so I'm a smart man. I'm leaving it there. Everybody know my kids come first. That's it. I'm leaving it there. <laughs> what about you, Donald? <laughs> I get Ace Anson, man, but mine's a little different. I, I am going to rank them. Uh, you know, my mom don't know what a podcast is, so I'm good. And my son won, so he don't really know nothing. <laughs> uh, but now, nah, in all seriousness, uh, I know a lot of people that, that did it the way Ace did it. I know a lot of people that felt like I'm first. Like, I've seen all the answers, and, you know, I go into them open-minded to see why they feel this way. Uh, and the reason my answer is the answer that it is is because of how I grew up. Like I told you guys, I grew my mom was very spiritual. So the way I grew up in my religion uh, that was taught to me was, you know, when you grow up and you get married, you and your wife becomes one and you are the head of the family. Uh, and as the family go, you know, it's the husband, the wife and the kids. So that's pretty much how I do it. So me and my wife is one. So she's first because at the end of the day, you know, I love my kids. But like my, my child can't help me if I'm if I'm falling behind in depression, you know, he's one, he can't help me get out my phone as much as my wife probably could. Falling behind on bills, my, my wife can't, my, my wife is my rock. So, you know, she she is first for me. Second is my son, because, you know, me and my wife became one, it also says you create your own family. Not saying like your mom, your sisters, your uncles, and them don't exist. But this, this is the family me and my wife created. This is, this is our branch on our tree, and it's gonna grow and create more leaves. So my son is second. Uh, to just my wife and, and then my mom loved them all but my mom also knew that when she raised me she raised me to become a man to become a great father and husband so it's not like hey I'm playing her last she upset about it actually she feels that because she's last in this scenario she did a good job at raising me and, and that makes me feel like I, I did her right you know I did what she sought out for me to do which to become a man. And when I became a man, I, I became a husband. And when I became a husband, I became a, a, a father. No, nah, I definitely like both of your answers. And I like how Ace didn't get involved. But, you know, I like that. But um, I'm not at that step yet. But if I was to be at that step, the way I would do it. And it's kind of funny because even though I'm not married, I went through a little situation where... I was putting my mother before the woman that I'm about to marry. Donald can attest to that. And it it definitely messed up the relationship until this day. It's kind of still rocky. But not to get off a uh, task or whatever. For me, um, I will honestly say my kid. Because that's not to be that person. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, marriage. I understand, you know, it's supposed to be forever, but nothing is forever. At the end of the day, we can get divorced. Anything can happen. Or, you know, my kid, you're my kid for life. Whether you sign papers and you disown me, you still have my DNA. So 
my kid would be first. And then second, it would be my wife because at the end of the day, we build this and, you know, like Donald A said, at the end of the day, you know, you my rock. And if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have this kid. And my mother, I love her and I thank her, but she would just have to be number three. But at the end of the day, I'm not saying I won't be there or do for my mother, but that would just be my order. With that being said, I feel like this was a great episode and I want to thank Donald and Ace for jumping on this podcast. And I want y'all to shout out y'all brand or let the uh, Bradcat fans know where they can follow you or how can they continue checking up on you. So whoever want to go first. I'll go first then. My name starts with an A. So uh, (laughs) my name on Instagram is uh, at number two, smooth 82.5. My brand is called the Callus Crew. Um, just represents a different type of uh, grind, you know, because the callus is the only thing that you can't buy. So that's why I named it the Callus Crew. Um, I'm a power lifter. So my Instagram is going to be a lot of lifting. And it's going to look like just a lift lift Instagram, but it's actually my personal page. It's just that that consistency that I was talking about is is really real. So that's, that's what you see on there. It's the lifting and family, you know. So um, that's where I'm at. And those are uh, that's my brand. And before he go off, because he's being modest, he actually just went through a competition, and I guess he gonna take over that part. Yeah, yeah I, I did. Uh, I had a, uh, my first powerlifting meet um, was October thirty first, two thousand twenty one. Um, I came in second um, for my first meet. I'm I'm really excited about that. I'm looking for the gold next time. Um, for any powerlifters out there, I'll give you my numbers. I squatted uh, four hundred eighty five pounds. Um, I deadlift, I benched 341 pounds and then I deadlifted, uh, 545 pounds. Um, so I'm, I'm looking to bring home the gold, keep doing it, putting on for Jersey. Yeah, it, it was fun. It was definitely an experience. It was, it was fun being around, uh, power lifters and like-minded lifters. Cause for a lot, a lot of people, when, when you go to the gym, even if you're a powerlifter, you, you go to the gym, you see a lot of just bodybuilders. There's a lot of bodybuilders everywhere, just bodybuilding-based gyms. There's not really that many powerlifting gyms. You know, they're starting to pop up now in, like, um, Houston, Texas. And it's, some are popping up in New Jersey or um, California, but they're, they're not too many. So it's scarce. So when you see another powerlifter, you kind of become, like, gym buddies. So... Any any pilots out there, just just keep doing what you got to do in the bodybuilding gym. I know people are going to be looking at you. Don't worry about it. Just keep doing what you do and keep grinding at it. Okay, Mr. Van Dyke, you up. Hey, everybody. If you guys want to find me on Instagram, my name is DJ41. Basically, spell it out for you. is D-E-E underscore J-A-Y 41. Uh, that's my username on Instagram and on Twitter. Uh, my page is mostly just family. It is about to change a little bit. A couple of things that I am about to start off with, you guys haven't seen it already. If you guys are listening to the show, I am trying to get involved in the wave community. So I've got a couple of photos I just put up with my hair and how my progress is starting to go. Probably trying to update that at least once a month. Uh, and also, I am starting a photography company to get going. Uh, name is still in the development, but I will have a link to that on my main page. If you guys want to keep progress with that, if you guys have any questions on either of the things that I am doing, again, as far as doing my waves and my hair, as far as 360 pattern that I'm trying to get, or if you guys just want to take pictures or videos and want to have fun, reach out to me, open guy. And this another one being modest. So with Donald, quick story, 
we uh actually had started a photography company together called Different Views. So he definitely real crafty behind the camera, and he has a lot of content. So if you want to check out some of his work, you can check out that page and see how his work is. But definitely hit him up and you know send him some work. But like I said, at the end of the day, they being too modest, so we we brag about it. So that's what we do here. But like I said again, I want to thank y'all for coming on and. Thanks for the great conversations. You're already, man. Thank you for having me. Definitely was a blast, my man. I hope y'all enjoyed this week's episode. Make sure you like, subscribe, leave us a review, and shout us out to your friends and your family. Because, man, I brag, man, I brag, man, I brag different. Until next week, brackheads. Bye. Bye. on the beat.